0: It's under the heading, Jesus' mother and brothers. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him, and he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a 160 or 30 times what was sown. He who has hears, let him hear the disciples came to him and asked why do you speak to the people in parables he replied the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you but not to them whoever has will be given whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. The blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear for i tell you the truth many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it listen then to what the parable of the sower means when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart this is the seed sown along the path the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy but since he has no root he lasts only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word he quickly falls away the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on the good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. This is the Lord's word.
1: Let's pray. Lord, we pray that as we come to your word, you might encourage us. Help us. There are some difficult things here. We ask that you would give us understanding, uh, maybe some humility, patience. Correct us, train us, lead us, enthuse us. Keep me from error, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. We've seen that Jesus' ministry is all about proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is near. And he is the key to that kingdom. He is the Messiah that has come in these last days. And in these last days, Jesus proclaims salvation in himself. Last week we skipped over uh, the first point, which was his family and who is his family. We went through it quite quickly, but it's surprising what Jesus says. He points in verses 49 to 50 to his disciples. And Matthew wants you to see that action. Pointing to his disciples, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. Mark chapter three gives us a detail that Matthew doesn't. It says that his parents and family, sorry, have come to take him back home. So when Jesus makes a surprising point and basically says here is my mother, my brother, and my sister. We are surprised he's not pointing to the crowds, he's not pointing to his own family, including his mother. He's pointing to the disciples. That's a theme that will is rising and is going through this chapter. Who are Jesus' family? we might know it better as who are the remnant. Theologians like that word, so we'd love to use it. It's an idea that some hear and others don't. And Matthew is making that point, and that's why Jesus is making that point and the reason why he goes into the parable of the sower. Jesus identifies himself with those who have followed him. They become insiders, if you like. If you like that word remnant, keep using it and keep hearing it. They are the ones that do the will of my Father in heaven. Matthew doesn't quite make it plain here, but John makes it plain what my fa- will of my Father in heaven is. In chapter 6, John chapter 6, verse 40, my father's will is that everyone who believes, sorry, everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. People always want to know what does God want me to do? What is his will? The truth is, the Bible's answer is believe. In Jesus, that's God's will. <laughs> Everything else, whatever you do, wherever you want direction, you do it in faithful response to him. So I want to say something about how we read parables. Did you get a little sheet, anyone? Did you get a little sheet? No, you did good. That's all right. Uh, uh, it's, it's almost a disaster, but anyway, the, you've got something. As in, there's too many words on it. The drift of the parable is actually the point. You do not, when you read a parable, try to fill in all the details. That is not the point. The point is the one point you are to follow in the parable. Don't worry about the details too much. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? The point is actually the reason why you're given the parable. The Middle Ages, the early church fathers loved allegory. Have you heard of an allegory? They did allegories again and again and again, and they made parables, all sorts of things. One of the things, though, they they tended to miss the point. They gave it all sorts of meanings, but they didn't get the point. It hid the point. The reformers rejected that and they went with something they'd found in one of the church fathers, John Chrysostom, and the Antioch school which he belonged to. It was a nice school, good cola and everything. That was a joke. The uh, John Chrysostom pressed for a literal reading and one point. They followed that. And they went to that. Secondly, so we suggest that you don't do allegory, although it's very fashionable to do allegory, to do some version of an allegory. So many commentators now, that's all they do. They will do allegory and they will give you anything about what the parable means rather than actually what is the point of the parable. They'll make it what they want. Don't do that. Secondly, parables need to be read in the context they're given. And the context they're given is the ministry of Jesus. They are not about our moral behaviour or anything else. The parables have a context in which they're given And that context is the ministry of Jesus. Only the other day I was asked about the meaning of the parable of the sower and I answered wrong. Why? Because it's hardwired. That's why. And you will answer wrong too, I guess, if you do have an answer. The reason is because I gave the answer out of the context of why it's given here. We do that with Jesus' words. We take them and we bring them out and we put them on the table and we look at them and then apply them to all sorts of things. But we remove them from where they were given. So if you bear with me, and maybe you've got a question mark over what I just said. Maybe just go with it for a second and see if it makes any difference. The parable, all the parables are given in the context of Jesus' ministry to the people who are in front of him. And that first parable is the parable of the sower. It's a reaction we see, it's the reaction of people as Jesus speaks. As he's been speaking to the crowd, these are the four groups which are very familiar to most people, aren't they? The first group, the seed, that as he speaks is get on the path. The bird comes and they eat it. The word for path is the same word you could have for road. Think of bitumen. Out there on the highway, if you like, or the well worn paths that run perhaps uh, into the bush, they can get very hard, can't they? There's nothing, you know, when dirt gets compressed, it seems to go very hard. Is that right? You're Waynes, you're a, you're a, you're a bush person, I? No. The bush is over there and I'm over here drinking a coffee. So I'd have to defer to you what bush is. But I think that's what happens. The path is very hard. That's why the bird, when the seed goes on it, it sits on it and the bird comes and eats it, verse 4. The second group, as you know, is on the rocky ground and they don't have much soil. Matthew, Jesus wants us to know that how much soil it doesn't have by emphasizing that three times, not once, not twice, but three times. The sun scorches them because not having much soil, they can't grow any roots, and they wither. Third group is the plants. The seed ends up along the thorns. What the thorns do? The thorns choke the plants. There's not enough room for them, and they die. And the fourth and the final group, of course, in verse 8, is the good soil. And in that soil, the seed bears fruit 160 or 30-fold more, which is very interesting because if you look up Mark 4, he switches the order around. He does 30, 60, 100. But Matthew does 100, 60, 30. Why? I'm not sure. He tells the crowd, he who has ears, let him hear. There is something in this story that Jesus says Israel needs to hear. The question is, what? What needed to be heard? And that is the question which the parable will solve. Why parables is a very interesting question from verses 10 to 17 and it's not me who has them, it's the disciples have them. Why would you say there are parables? You will have your own answer, keep it to yourself. You like the parables, what does a parable do? You have an answer, keep that answer before you. What does Jesus say the parable the answer is? Jesus begins his explanation in verse 11 with the word because. Don't always translate it, but that's what it is. Because he's making a contrast, a contrast between the disciples and the others, between the insiders and the others, between the remnant, if you like that word, and the others. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. to the disciples, but not to them. Sorry, I don't mean to point it. There. How about I do that? Is that better? To you and not to I don't know. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. There's the knowledge of the secrets brings up the idea of mystery and that's not something that's totally unknown in when Jesus has been speaking, as we've said, in an apocalyptic way. Daniel chapter 2, Daniel says to King Nebuchadnezzar, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and here the secrets are like what Jesus said in mark in Matthew chapter eleven verse twenty five to thirty He said in his prayer, "No one knows the Son except the Father, <clears throat> and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. That is a secret which needs to be told and it only comes from one source, the Son, and to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now the disciples, he's saying, are those who have been chosen, that these secrets would be revealed, that Jesus is the Messiah, that the end has come and is here in him. The disciples don't understand everything, obviously, and that will become really plain as we keep reading, as you know. But we are stunned by the blunt statement And I hope you were a bit stunned when I said it. Given to you, but not to them. Verse 11. Many take great offense at that idea. I want you to notice where the idea came from. It hasn't come from me, it hasn't come from any theologian I'm quoting. That offensive idea, if you are offended, maybe you are, that offensive idea comes from Jesus. And so lots of people are given all sorts of explanations to try to change these plain words here. Unfortunately. Jesus goes on, this is why I speak to them in Parables. Now, remember I asked you to have a question, why do we have parables? Jesus' answer is verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. He says this fulfills Isaiah chapter 6. You will be ever hearing in verse 14, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Where are we? We're speaking before the cross. We're speaking to the people who Jesus has been sent to, to call out because Israel has failed. We were starting again at the start and Jesus is calling them to respond because the Messiah has come. And we've seen how people have responded to the Messiah. Some of them want to kill him. Jesus' reason for using parables is that people will be hardened. That they will be, they have callous. Verse 15, for this people's heart has become callous, they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Jesus uses parables as a way for his mission to be achieved. What is his mission? So far, it seemed like he was calling people to himself. But what is coming out is his mission is to the cross. And their hardness will result in them condemning him to that cross. And so the parables are a way not to a great way of teaching, though you might think so. They are not great stories that everyone can relate to, though you might think so. They are actually used by Jesus to harden people to the truth that they might be Isaiah 6 people, because nothing has changed from Isaiah's time. Jesus, the Messiah, is here But just as in Isaiah, Jesus' ministry hardens hearts. You might remember in Isaiah uh, chapter 6, Isaiah was told that is what will happen. Because in Isaiah, judgment will come and at the end of 39, that's what happens. His ministry is to prepare them for that time which comes. At 40, he then preaches hope and that by the end of the book, he's preaching a future and what God is going to do. But verse 39, the judgment comes and Jesus is doing the same thing because if we jump ahead, Jesus is actually preaching because judgment will come because these last days are here. Where will that judgment come? My answer, and I think Matthew's answer is, it comes on the cross where God steps in his own son and takes the judgment and forgiveness flows from him. The purpose of the parable is that as he, as he addresses his disciples, he is making some his insiders and some hard Those hard ones will end up being able to help him to get to the cross. Of course, as we read, which is different from the context, we now see this. And Matthew has given it to us that we might notice it. And now we can read it and adjust for ourselves. Who are we? the ones that Jesus points to, or we are the others? Are we the other soils? How do we respond is explained in verses 17 to 23. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Daniel chapter 12. Remember Daniel chapter 12? He wants to know what are these visions about? What did God say to him? Do you remember?
0: You're not going to (laughs) know. You don't know. I'm not telling you. That's for
1: another time. And so... He's a great example of the people of old who saw and wondered but weren't told. Jesus is saying, you are now seeing him. You are now hearing him. The moment they long for has now come in me, Jesus is saying. And so the parable of the sower is about that end, the end that has come in the Son of Man. And uh, Jesus gives the meaning of the parable, which you're probably very familiar with. Anyone who hears about the message of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The evil one snatches it away. In chapter four, the evil one tested Jesus. He twisted his word, twisted God's words in the garden, denied it. He snatches it away. That's the first group. The second group, the rocky ground, as we see, they seem to respond to Jesus. They receive it with joy, but the shallowness of what, how, what they're really going on with them means they've got nothing. And so that joy doesn't last long. Trouble, persecution comes on their way and they give up quickly. They stop following Jesus. Group one, group two, not following Jesus. The third group, the thorns, receives the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the words in verse 22. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke it, making it unfruitful. Jesus talked in chapter 6, verse 25, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? This is their problem. It is more important. It does choke them. They have heard the word but they are choked. Sometimes there's a description about whether the third group are saved. <laughs> the answer here is no in Jesus' teaching. They stop following Jesus. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it and make it unfruitful. A lot of the ways that we make things right is by money. Wealth takes a lot of life's troubles away. That is actually true. If you want to help people in poverty, one way is to give them money. <laughs> it's another thing how they spend it. But anyway, if, you, if they can have those worries taken away, you can solve a lot of problems, can't you? That's why you and I perhaps feel okay today maybe, <laughs> because life's troubles can go away if you have enough money. In Australia, we tend to. But, of course, that's so it seems, even if it's not quite true. The concerns of the here and now here choke these people and they they are not productive or fruitful. And the fourth group is the disciples, the good soil, everyone knows that, the one who received, verse 23, the seed that fell on good soils, the man who hears the word, understands it, produces a crop, yields a 160 or 30 times what was sown. Most people now, when they look at that verse, have Paul's use of Galatians 2 in mind when he talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And so they think it's about what you will produce individually as a believer the fruits of your life. The trouble is that's not what Matthew what Matthew is talking about, and that's not what Jesus is talking about. You want to talk about it from in Galatians chapter two? That's good. You can do that. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. The context is the kingdom of heaven, not individual growth or productivity. To bear fruit is to be part of the harvest that is now occurring in Jesus' ministry as he speaks and moves in these last days. They are the ones who follow Jesus. So to summarise, Jesus' ministry is manifesting the kingdom of heaven and to be in the kingdom of heaven as Jesus is telling them is to respond to him and to follow him. He has told the crowds, he who has his, let him hear. So what are they meant to hear? Simple question is, as you probably know, the answer is the Messiah is here. Follow him. If the crowd doesn't follow that, then the following parables will speak to that. We're going to pray. Let's pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, we have your word. We, must ask, we do at times uh, wrestle with it. We thank you that we have heard. We are thankful that Jesus took the punishment for us, judgment upon himself. We are thankful that he seeks out people in this world, that you know who they are. We pray that we might respond. We thank you that we have responded. We pray for our family, our friends, our neighbours, this nation, this community. Lord, please bring your word to these people. We pray that they might respond. We pray that they might have ears to hear. And we pray that we might, in all that we do, Pursue our faithfully, faithfully the service of our Lord and Savior
0: Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.